Hi, I'm Gavin Carlson, and this is Out of Bounds, Daily Bruins Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Out of Bounds, the official sports podcast of the Daily Bruin. I'm your host, Gavin Carlson, a third-year sports staff writer here at the Daily Bruin, and I'm joined by my two wonderful guests. You may recognize them from last week's episode. First and foremost, I will introduce... Matthew Royer, the sports senior staff writer and one of the beat writers for the softball beat. Matthew, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Just reeling from this weekend. Uh, two breaking stories. Uh, a lot of softball to talk about. Yeah, that's the theme of this podcast. We're going to be talking about UCLA softball. That's why Matthew's here. And that's why our other guest, Mr. Jack Nelson, the assistant sports editor and the editor of our softball beat. Jack, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Gavin. Uh, I got to say, I'm a bit surprised to be back here so soon, but excited to be here and talk some softball. Yeah, this is an emergency podcast. We were not planning on doing this because we, you know, kind of assumed the Bruins would win a few games. Uh, That's usually what UCLA softball does, but 2023, I guess not. Um, We're breaking down UCLA's two shocking upset defeats this past weekend in the LA regionals of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Things started off for the Bruins on Friday night at Easton Stadium with a game against Grand Canyon and... Things didn't go well. Um, they lost 3-2, to two, seven hits for the Bruins. You thought they'd be able to score more runs than they did. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a rough showing, and we had great coverage from Daily Bruin all weekend long. Matthew was there. So, Matthew, take it away. What did you see from the game on Friday? Yeah, the Grand Canyon contest, uh, it was interesting. Um, UCLA had no, no real problem getting on base. It was just, uh, again, I mean, it's going to be the theme for both games. It's really the Megan Grant and Aaliyah Jordan show. Um, they they really were the bulk of the Bruins' offense. Uh, p- people might point at Megan Fremo's um, three earned runs. Uh, I say that's not really the the problem the Bruins had against Grand Canyon. The problem was is you know I mean I, I didn't really think of it at the time, but it really was that uh, bats like Maya Brady, Jordan Woolery, you know Sav Pola. They, they really just didn't pull through for the Bruins uh, like they needed to, uh, like they were up until really the Pac-12 tournament. So I, I think in that Grand Canyon game, you really saw that the Bruins, I think at the end of that game, when they knew they, they needed to, you know, when they were facing elimination, they knew they were going to have to start facing elimination. They knew that the offense was going to have to pull through. And uh, what we ended up seeing was uh, the offense just couldn't uh, on Saturday as well. Uh, the one highlight I do want to mention from that game was really from Lauren Shaw and Brooke Inez. Uh, they both really came through for the Bruins uh, out, out in the circle. Uh, you had Fremo struggle out there on the mound a little bit. Uh, you know, she, it wasn't just you know giving up a three run run. She also walked three, a little out of character for her. But this season, uh, especially towards the end of the season, hasn't been out of character for her. Um, she's had a lot of problem with control. Um, Coach I was talking about uh, a few times uh, towards the end of the season about how they were trying to work on a few uh, fundamental things with uh, Megan. It really seemed like maybe that didn't uh, get through. Uh, when it came to uh, postseason play. Um, but Brooke Inez, Lauren Shaw came through in the bullpen, uh, and they really were lights out. Uh, but they gave the offense an opportunity. The offense just couldn't pull through at the end. Yeah, Jack, you were there as well. Did you pick up anything else from that game on Friday? Yeah, no, I mean, as Matthew was talking about, it it really just comes down to an offensive implosion, I would say. I mean, you had UCLA's top three batters from the season, My Brady, Jordan Woolery and Kenny Powell went a combined three for 18 these two games like three for 18 like you think about the fact that all three of those players coming into the series were hitting over 400 that's that's abysmal 
Uh, and you cannot expect any offense to back up that kind of a, a poor effort and really pull through. Uh, and as he was, as Matthew was talking about with Aaliyah and Megan uh, combined, they accounted for eight of UCLA's 14 hits across these two games. Um, and not once was Aaliyah brought home over the plate across her five hits that she had. And Megan accounted for all three of UCLA's runs across these two games with two solo home runs and an RBI single. And as uh, Coach Kelly Inouye Perez talked about all season, this was one of the deepest teams that she's ever coached. And just to see this offense just play so remarkably shallow across these two games was just shocking. Yeah, you talked about the offense, like we said, only two runs against a Grand Canyon team that, you know, you're not expecting them to be able to shut down many offenses, let alone a offense as powerful as UCLA's. Um, but even more shocking than that initial loss to Grand Canyon was the fact that that wasn't enough of a wake-up call for this Bruin team, and they come out the following day, once again, at Easton Stadium, where they were 21-1 and on the regular season at Easton Stadium, and they have back-to-back losses to unranked teams. On Saturday against Liberty, a 2-1 defeat, once again, seven hits for UCLA, just three for Liberty, but besides that first inning run from UCLA, no, no offense for the Bruins at all. And uh, a great showing from Brookinez, but it wasn't enough. Jack, do you want to break down what you saw from that Saturday game? Yeah, so the Liberty game was just much of the same story as it was earlier with Grand Canyon. As you mentioned, uh, the outing by Brookinez was admirable. I think she finished with nine strikeouts and allowed two runs, um, the latter of those two runs coming in the seventh inning. Uh, and she was just pitching a very efficient game out there. And really, there's no reason that the UCLA offense shouldn't have been able to get at least, you know, two runs to really put them in a position to even compete for a win in this game. And just the fact that they just simply did not show up and lent a lot of aspects and that it ultimately once again came down to Aaliyah Jordan and Megan Grant trying to carry this offense through. It is just not how you win games the postseason. Yeah. I'd like to add like, but the first, I mean, the first at bat for the Bruins offense was their only run. Um, Megan Grant let off the game with a leadoff home run. She's done that a few times this season. Um, but she also was the first run for the Bruins and gave them a lead in the previous game. Uh, Megan Grant uh, did her part into making sure the Bruins were in a position to win these games. The rest of the offense just didn't follow through and have her back and the pitching staff's back. Uh, Megan Grant, after the game, was telling Jack and I about how she felt like she should have done more for the seniors, but in fact, it should have been the other way around. Um, and I think that that wake-up call, I think, is going to have to find a way to get through to these Bruins, especially uh, knowing next season is going to have to be a response to this poor postseason outing. I got one quick question for you guys. Uh, do you feel like Brooke Inez was left in too long there to, to go the whole distance and give up that second run? Or do you feel like it was totally reasonable for her to be out there in the, the seventh inning? Actually, no, I agree with uh, Coach Inouye Perez's decision to keep her in the game. I think you have to look back at the fact that going into – uh, that game, Megan Framo, who obviously is Usley's best option in the circle other than Brooke, she allowed three or more runs uh, in three consecutive outings for the first time all season. And so there was con- some concern if they had opted to take Brooke out and put Megan in, if she could really keep this as close as you know Brooke was pitching out there. And so, yeah, I do agree with the decision to keep Brooke in the game. And I think ultimately it just you know came down to the offense. Yeah, and so obviously Bruins end up falling short in both games. And just to put into context how surprising those two losses were, not only, like I said before, 21-1 and one at home during the regular season. Obviously, we know they were 52-5 and five during the regular season, and including the Pac-12 tourney. And really, their only bad like 
lost to the level of this and to the level of a Grand Canyon and a Liberty was that one eight nothing defeat in five innings against Cal. That was a really shocking result, obviously. But other than that, you know, the Pac-12 is a very competitive conference and you have a loss to Oklahoma in there. Um, so there was really no signs during the regular season that something like this could happen. I know in the last pod we were talking about, oh, you know, the loss to Utah, is that something to worry about? And we kind of were debating if that was going to be a wake-up call or if that was going to be something that was going to lead to more problems. And obviously it led to more problems. Um, but for the Bruins, they've been to seven straight Women's College World Series before this tournament. They've been to eight straight Super Regionals, like we were saying in the last episode. It's always a given. UCLA softball hosts LA Regionals at Easton Stadium the first weekend of the tournament. They usually win the first two games, and we see what happens from there. So it's just so unusual to see the Bruins done this early in the tournament. Um, I do have a question. We'll transition now. I want to talk about some of the seniors because there's a, a pair of very notable seniors that are leaving this team. Obviously, at the end of last season, the Bruins had to say goodbye to many notable seniors, Kinsey Washington, Brianna Perez, Delaney Wiz, and Holly Azevedo, to name a few. Um, this year, it's it's really just an iconic pair in Megan Faramo and Aaliyah Jordan. Obviously, Aaliyah Jordan is a super, 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 super senior, um, but she's one of the greatest hitters in UCLA softball history, and we all know what Megan Framo has done in the circle for the Bruins these past years. So we'll start with Matthew. Uh, what are your thoughts on Aaliyah Jordan's legacy? How is she going to be remembered despite the way her career ends here? Uh, Aaliyah Jordan has nothing to be sorry for, um, I think. She's a national champion. Um, let's get that right. Uh, so is so is Megan. Uh, Megan didn't really have that much of an impact on that 2019 team, but Aaliyah did. Um, she hit two home runs in both of those national championship games against Oklahoma. She was a, a cemented part of that offense. Um, uh, Coach I was talking about how she's probably one of the greatest hitters, I think, in UCLA history. Um, and I think she that is her legacy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one day we see her name uh, retired and her number retired uh, in the UCLA rafters uh, at Easton Stadium. Yeah, and then Jack, what do you think about Megan Framo? Similar thoughts, obviously, like Matthew mentioned. Another champion, like he said, not as big of a player in that team, but she's been so dominant her entire career. Uh, what are your thoughts on her legacy? Yeah, so with Megan Framo, I mean, you've got really someone who's been the Bruins' ace for the past two seasons and really someone who the Bruins have relied upon time and time again to put them in winning positions, and she's consistently done so. I mean, maybe some questions for her coming into the season with her ERA steadily uh, increasing going into 2023. Um, but of, of course, you're returning the Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year, and she did, in fact, win that award again this year, uh, much to you know, no surprise. Um, but this was definitely Megan's team. There's no question about it. And of course, Aaliyah as well, a huge part of this team. Uh, but losing your ace, in addition to losing two other pitchers and Lauren Shaw and uh, Brooke Yanez, is going to hurt this team a lot next season. There's no question about it. And losing Megan at the very top is definitely going to be uh, the biggest blow. Yeah, just to follow up on Megan, seven no-hitters, three perfect games in her illustrious career, a four-time All-Pac-12 first-team member, a three-time Softball America All-American, including the first team once in 2020. Um, yeah, one of the most dominant pitchers in UCLA history, one of the most dominant pitchers in Pac-12 history. And it was really nice to see her kind of take the baton that was passed to her by Rachel Garcia, who, you know, arguably one of the greatest softball players ever. And so Megan Framo kind of, learning under Rachel Garcia her first couple of seasons and then taking over that role as the ace. And obviously she was very successful in that. There'll always be a weird part of Megan's legacy with whatever happened in 2021 
you know, rumors that she injured her hand during a celebration. We'll never know the full story on that, but I know last year when she came back from that injury and was dominant and then obviously dominant this year, kind of just shows her resilience. She's always been such a fun player to watch, so fired up in the circle. Probably brings more energy than anyone I've ever watched on a softball diamond. So it'll definitely be sad to see her leave Easton Stadium. Um, and, and like Matthew said with Leah Jordan, I think there's a good chance that Megan Framo could have a number retired or at least be recognized by the Bruins program in some way herself. And with that, we'll kind of transition going back to the whole team, sort of where the program is at after this. This is such a shocking way for the season to end. It's so unlike the Bruins. And now the question is, where do they go from here? Obviously, we talked about the players they're losing. Um, this is a relatively young team. They have plenty of potential, but it's definitely going to look different next year without some of the iconic players. And there's definitely question marks. So, Matthew, we'll go to you first. You've got your hand up. So what do you think of the state of UCLA softball's program? Uh, I think the state of the program is still pretty pretty great. Um, I think you still have to look at this team and see what they were accomplished during the regular season. Um, they didn't really face a lot of adversity towards this end. Um, so I think that is at least the state of the team I think is strong. But I've got two words for you for how uh, UCLA is going to actually have to grow into the future. Transfer portal. Um, this this last year, uh, you know, we, we saw Brookinez come in as a transfer, and she really was that veteran presence they needed out in the circle when Megan just couldn't do it. Uh, and she was also there to, you know, help guide freshmen like Taylor Tinsley, who will now practically be, I guess, this ace, unless somebody does come in the transfer portal for this Bruins team. So I think the transfer portal is something Coach I is really going to have to look at and find these veteran presence that, you know, you're losing a lot of people this season, um, whether it's people who really perform for the team, but there's a lot of locker room presence that that are that's going to be gone. So I think the transfer portal really is going to have to be something that decides how this team is going to be for the future. Um, I don't think it'll really make that big of a difference. I think the Bruins team is still, if Maya Brady is back for this next season, I think Maya Brady, you know, can lead this team. And I think she is one of the best hitters in all of college softball. So I think that, I think it's going to be interesting, but I think the Bruins are still strong. I think they're still national championship uh, hopefuls uh, next season. I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, rank number two in the country to start the season next season. Jack, I have a feeling you might slightly disagree, so I want to hear what you say. Yeah, well, regular season success is good and all, but I think anyone will tell you that nobody is remembered for regular season stuff. It's when you get to the postseason, it's what you do in the postseason. That's what your team is remembered for. That's what players are remembered for. That's what coaches are remembered for. And what this team did in the postseason is nothing straight of collapse. This is one of, if not the worst collapse in program history for UCLA softball and one of the worst collapses in UCLA athletics history, frankly. And as we talked about before with the regular season success that UCLA has had, I mean, they had the most conference wins for their program in decades. They finished with the winningest record in the country, uh, just above Oklahoma before the NCAA tournament. Uh, and this was really just the best team they've had in decades. I mean, there's really no excuse for the way the season ended for UCLA. And I think it's going to take a long time for them to try and figure out how exactly this disaster happened and how you move on from something like this and end up being another national con contender next year. Yeah, I think it's interesting because for the past handful of seasons, it's always been UCLA is amazing, but can they beat Oklahoma? And that's kind of where the questions have always kind of stayed it, it, it hasn't been oh can someone else in the Pac-12 maybe push the Bruins wait is there actually a chance they won't make it to Super Regionals won't make it to the Women's College World Series and whether or not those questions need to start being asked now 
I don't know. It, it's interesting because they don't have as many iconic players or legends on their team as they have had in past seasons. COVID really shook things up. You had a, a lot of players coming back that normally wouldn't have had another year of eligibility when Bubba Nichols was able to come back, when Aaliyah Jordan was able to come back multiple times. Um, it kind of made it that UCLA was just that much better than everyone else in the Pac-12 and really that much better than everyone else other than Oklahoma with players constantly coming back. But now we're kind of transitioning to more normal times. You hit your four or five years and you're gone. And really, other than Maya Brady, there isn't an iconic, legendary star name on this team yet. Obviously, there's plenty of amazing prospects, plenty of amazing young players that will be great. But it'll be interesting to see, other than Maya Brady, who can be that program-defining player, that that Megan Framo, that Aaliyah Jordan, that Rachel Garcia. Um, Matthew, you want to chime in? Yeah, it's also interesting to note that this will be the Bruins' last season in the Pac-12. Uh, there's a lot that might change to this program. Uh, just recruiting-wise, a lot of players may not want to go uh, play where it's 10 degrees and you're wearing a jacket to play softball. Uh, so it, this might be the last season of this era of the UCLA Bruins softball program. So I think that I think the Bruins have a lot of answer for, and this might be the year they might have to go all out. Yeah, it's a great point. I didn't really think about that at all. And I think with that mood of the Big Ten, it's always so interesting because obviously it's football and basketball focused, and sometimes you forget about how much it affects some of these Olympic sports like a UCLA softball program. But yeah, I don't think it helps the the program, right? You know, it's like UCLA has been perched atop the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is a great conference, so it's not like they're playing cupcake schedules. They're playing good teams, and they're just the best in the conference. Now you go to the Big Ten conference, which which is nowhere near as strong, and winning that conference doesn't mean nearly as much. Maybe you don't get as much preparation throughout the regular season and conference play because of that, and maybe there's more postseason struggles as a result. So that's a great point to mention. And so now for the Bruins, obviously it's the offseason. They'll, like Matthew said, have to probably dive into the transfer portal and hope they can add a few strong veteran pieces that way. Um, But up until then, won't be any UCLA softball talk for a while. So that'll do it for this episode of Out of Bounds, the softball edition, this emergency softball podcast to break down, as Jack called it, one of the most shocking collapses in not only UCLA softball history, but maybe UCLA athletics history. Um, It was great to be back in Kirkoff with Jack and Matthew. So thanks a lot for being back here. And uh, that'll do it for this episode. So Out of Bounds is brought to you by The Daily Bruin, UCLA's student newspaper. You can listen to this show and others by The Daily Bruin on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And a transcript for this show is available at dailybruin.com. Thanks for listening.